Welcome to Truth Matters, a ministry of the First Church of God in Glasgow, Kentucky. Truth Matters believes in the words in Acts 2.47 that proclaim, The Lord adds to His church daily such as should be saved. We believe in the Great Commission Christ gave before returning to the Father, and we obey His command in Matthew 28.19 to go and make disciples of all men. Now join us as Pastor Terry Ames gives today's message. Half of the book of John, the last half is of the, the uh, book of St. John, is all about his last week on this earth before he went back to heaven. Did you know that? John is not a long book, but John wrote down more than any other disciples, the events that happened before Jesus ascended to heaven. And today we're going to be talking about his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. To give you a little backstory, though, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. See, we kind of take these stories and we put them, we put them and make separate little sermons out of them, but we tend to forget how fast all this was evolving. So Lazarus had just been raised, but you know the, the thing about Lazarus is he died again. He's still awaiting his bodily resurrection because Jesus was the first to be, be resurrected for eternity. And it's amazing that, you know, here's what gets me, and here's why, why I read this and I know it's true. Because the Bible says something that most people that would just write fiction would never even include. Did you know because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they had, the Pharisees had the gall to make plans to put Lazarus back to death? They wanted to kill him. He'd already died. Jesus brought him back. But the Pharisees said, this can't do, this won't do. These people are starting to surround this Jesus. We've got to figure out a way to kill Lazarus again. So anyway, so Jesus was getting ready to enter into Jerusalem. And we pick it up on John chapter 12, starting at verse 12. And it says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, said thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, that king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised from the dead, bear record. These are the same people, folks. For this cause the people also met him, for they had heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Proceed ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Perceive ye... How ye prevailed nothing, 
how he didn't do anything because the world is still going after him. He just raised Lazarus. Now he's coming forth on a donkey. Well, what does that tell you? Well, if you read scripture, the donkey is written about in prophecy. But I want to sit there and say the people are crying, crying out for Jesus. Hosanna, king, the king has come. What kind of king was they looking for? See, they were saying the right words, but they were saying those words for the wrong reason. Now let's go back a little bit. John 13, where they're praising the king. Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means save. They was looking for a savior. When they were yelling, Hosanna, they are saying, save us, save us. Blessed is the king of Israel. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, when they're saying that, they're quoting Psalm 118, 25, and 26. It reads, save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. But they're praising him and saying the right words, but they're, but they're doing it for a totally reason that Jesus didn't come. They wanted a warrior king. They wanted a king to beat the Romans. They wanted a king that was going to come and raise the sword and put them back on top and defeat the Romans and take Israel back. That's who they thought they was getting and who was, they was, who was coming. They misunderstood the prophecies. They really misunderstood God. But isn't that human nature? Isn't that human nature? That's what we do. We kind of put our perceived ideas or our wants into something, and then we're never satisfied. When we think that something's going to, oh, the, the new car I got said, latest and greatest, man. That's like, it's the beat all, have all. You know, I spent every dime I got to get this car sitting up there nice and shiny. Oh, man, it's got the, all the latest tech and everything else. Six months later, the new model comes out. They've redesigned the body and got everything else. And you think, well, now I got an old thing. It's not what I expected it to be. Now you're disappointed in it. How about somebody you knew in life who either you thought was a friend or you really wanted to be friends with, and you really looked up to them, whether you was a child or later in life, and you realize they're not who you thought they were. They're not the greatest. They're not the be-all, not the end-all. Look how many people get, get dissatisfied with their Hollywood idols, and the word idol in there is blasphemous on top of that. But people idolize these people. Oh, their beauty, look at the beauty, look at this, look at that. They Look, at I got to buy the same makeup as this one, or I got to wear the same slacks and, and coat as that one. And then you see them without their makeup, and you see them without their hair done, you see them getting up first thing in the morning, and you think, they don't look anything like I see on TV. They don't act anything like I thought they would act. Guess what? They all put their pants on the same way I do. So we get disappointed. We put a lot of hopes on them for the wrong reason. And they were doing this to Jesus. They thought they were getting a warrior king. They thought they were getting the one that was going to take, beat the Romans back. And that's not what Jesus came for. Jesus didn't come to beat the Romans. Jesus came to save Israel and save the Gentiles. He came to be a savior, all right. 
but a savior of your soul in a spiritual kingdom. And here he comes, seated on a donkey. We quote Zechariah 9.9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat, the foal of an ass. He didn't come on a white stallion. A white stallion was a king coming to conquer, a king of war. He came on a donkey, which symbolized a king of peace. And I'm sure they didn't, they didn't understand. In fact, the very next verse says the disciples did not understand. Here he comes. People are throwing the, the palm fronds on the ground. And one of the other gospels, they, they added about the clothes. They was even putting clothes down for him. Their coats, their tunics. But he's on a donkey. Not a stallion. What could this mean? This isn't the Jesus we really wanted. But they continued on in hopes that he was their king that they wanted. Not knowing that he really was the king they needed. He was the king they needed, but they had something else. He wasn't the king they wanted. He was the king they needed. And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus. You can want a lot of stuff, but Jesus will give you what you need. He may not give you everything you want, but he will give you what you need. And what's the number one thing in this life you need? You need a Savior. You need salvation. You need to be able to spend eternity with him. It's not money and fame. It's not all these other things we put before Christ. What we need is Christ. And he's all we need. And he will lead us through everything that we go through. He will hold our hand through it. He will defeat it. He will defeat it. That's the kind of king he is. See, reading on, just as I said, the disciples had the wrong idea what type of king Jesus was. Jesus in John 18.36 later on says, when they asked him a question, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from hence. My kingdom is not from here. I don't need to be the king here. I created all this anyway. My Father in heaven, through the spoken word, me, created this. I don't need to be the king here. I am a king of the spiritual kingdom that you'll, reign, you'll live in forever. This is only temporary this is only temporal. This is only just something that's going to just fade away. It was determined in the Garden of Eden this would not last forever. In fact, not long after the Garden of Eden, there was a flood. But God saved a remnant. Folks, the flood's coming again, but not with water. And God's going to have a remnant. And that remnant needs to be us. That's why we need to be serious about this. We love each other. We fellowship. We have fun. We tease. That's all wonderful. I love it. I'm, I'm the worst of them on those. Well, no, David's worse than I am. <laughs> we have to be serious in our understanding about our eternal soul and our eternal salvation and understand that Jesus is a triumphant king. 
It wasn't just for a week, and then he went to a cross. That was just the beginning of the plan. The plan was just starting to go into effect, the plan of salvation. But see, we read in 17 and 18 that the crowd was excited for the wrong reason. What'd they say? The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. Those same people that were praising him and putting palm fronds down and their clothes down and seeing him ride up to the gates of Jerusalem on a donkey, these same people saw him just the day, just the day before raise Lazarus from the dead. They saw the miracle. They still misunderstood what Jesus was all about. It says, For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. So the word had spread. I'm going to tell you something right now, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Those same people, how fickle they are, just like us. Those same people, a week later, would be standing there in front of Pilate, you know, crucify him. A week later, not even a week. Five days from now, they would be yelling, crucify him. Right now, they're yelling praises and hosannas at him. King, king, king. Five days from now, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Fickle, aren't they? And people say, I don't know how they did that. We're the same way, my friends. We don't keep our eyes on Jesus. We can be the same way. We don't keep our eyes on the gospel. We don't keep our eyes on the truth. We can be led astray, believe anything, and forget the wonderful things Christ just did, not only for others, but in our own lives, and become fickle and turn our backs on him. You say, oh, that could never happen. I've seen it happen to people I thought were diehard going to heaven forever Christians that they would never, and later and at some time in their life, they turned their back on Christ and became seven times worse than it was before they ever got saved. And I say, I don't understand it. But because I don't understand it doesn't mean that I'm not wary. What does Jesus say? Work out your salvation? It doesn't mean it's, a, it doesn't mean it's works. He just means be careful. He means do what you need to do, obey me, learn about me, and be wary. Stay on that path. It's too easy to veer off. See, if Jesus being Lord and King can show peace and humility when he proclaims his kingdom, which he was doing on this day, why do we still have the wrong idea about who Jesus is? I hear preachers today sound just like those Jews standing there welcoming into the city. I hear preachers today talk about Jesus coming back with a big war. We're going to have this war, this war of Armageddon, that there's going to be battles and, and we're, going to be, we're going to be part of the soldiers and we're going to be welding swords and this and that. I hear all that and I'm saying, yeah, Jesus is triumphant. Jesus is not the, not the one that's hanging on the cross anymore. Jesus is our Savior. But here's what I, I don't understand, okay? Maybe I'm not enlightened enough. But my Bible says, yes, it's got a lot of prophecies. And I'm not going to say we're not going to have a war. But my Bible says 
that when it's time for him to come back, the heavens going to open, trumpet's going to sound, the whole world's going to hear him. Guess what? We're going to be raised from the dead. If we're dead first, if we're still alive, we'll be raised. We'll go up after the dead. That's a rapture. And I do say that there's a rapture, not the way a lot of it's taught. No left behind stuff. But then, guess what? The earth is done. He says it will be destroyed in fire. No more. God said no more will water cover this earth and, and drown us. We'll have regional floods. That's nature. But no world flood. So Al Gore and them's got it wrong again. He specifically told us how it happened. Prophecy, I, 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 I try to understand a lot of it. A lot of it, I don't see it the way other people see it. I just try to go by what Jesus says. Because prophecy a lot of times can be determined. You, you see what happened after. That's the way the Bible works. If you look at the Bible, every time a prophecy was given, people didn't understand it at the time until after it happened. And then they would look back and say, oh, yeah, now I see it. Same way with Jesus coming in. They prophesied this would happen hundreds of years before this ever happened. And then when it was happening, they didn't see it until after it was all over with. We can look back now because we got the book and say, oh, yeah, well, right there it is. But they missed it because it was happening to them. See, that's why we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. I don't make presuppositions. Am I, am I saying there won't be a war of Armageddon? And all? I, I'm not saying that because I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't see it right here in what Jesus said in the Gospels to his disciples how it was going to end. Yeah, we're going through trials and tribulations. Yeah, we're going to do that. Absolutely. We're going through it now. People has been going through this, Christian, since Jesus ascended into heaven. All over the world, they're treated worse than us. Right now, we're still one of the freest nations there is for Christianity. That may be leaving soon. There's a lot of things of prophecy, but I don't count on that. I just count on what Jesus said, and I keep doing what he tells me to do. What did he say, dude? Keep my nose to the grindstone. Keep doing what I tell you to do. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. There's enough troubles today. So what kind of Jesus are you looking for? Are you excited about Jesus for the wrong reasons? Are you looking at him as something the Bible isn't saying that he is? Are you looking at him to be a warrior to come back again and, and just oh let's see we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna beat up this group of people and Jesus is gonna attack that group of people it's just gonna be us group of people now if you look he says he's not a respecter of persons we're gonna be all lumped together for Christians we're one family there's no white there's no black devil's trying to change all that again devil's trying to change bring back race racism's back it's going to be as bad as it was 50 60 years ago. Because the devil has convinced people that it is the color of your skin and not the content of your character. Totally against what Martin Luther King said. What Jesus are we worshiping? Jesus says, follow me. Just do what I tell you to do. See, the Jewish rulers thought this was a popular uprising. They really did. Have you heard that lately? Populist uprising? See, they knew Rome would punish them if there was an uprising like that. So they were going to try to squelch it. And the first thing they want to do is kill Lazarus, show that he wasn't immortal. And then it's going after Jesus too. 
See, they also spoke the right words. It was an uprising, but they spoke it for the wrong reason because it's an uprising for Christ, not for the population of Israel. It was for a kingdom for all of them if they all wanted to join. Rodney Buchanan wrote in the book, The Lion is a Lamb, we will never know this side of heaven what terrible struggles took place in the spiritual world between Palm Sunday and Easter morning. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what was going on behind the scenes in the spiritual world? The battles that were going on then? Yes, there are battles raging. Yes, there are wars. Folks, the spiritual realm is full of wars every day. Satan is heavy. What does the Bible say? Who's the prince of this world? Satan. Sin is ill for this world. Sin is in this world. God, God has allowed through his infinite wisdom to let Satan run, roam. He's the prince of this world. Jesus is the king and lord of heaven and the spiritual realm. And we're all going to be in a spiritual realm someday. That's the eternal kingdom. This is just temporary. Satan is fighting his little battles. He, he may win an occasional battle, but he was not, has not run the war and will not win the war because the ending has already been written. He can't win it. It's impossible. Corey Tenboom, I don't know if you all have ever read about her or watched the movie about her. Phenomenal woman. Was once asked if it was difficult for her to remain humble because the Lord used her in a mighty way. Her reply was simple. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments onto the road and singing praises, do you think for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of that was for him? She continued, If I can be the donkey on which Christ rides in his glory, I give him all the praise and all the honor. A friend of ours once wrote a song called Let Me Be the Rain. Others plant the seeds, that's what the Bible says. Some plant the seeds, some rain on it. God is the, is the, the king of the harvest. But her song was all about just let me be the rain. If somebody else has sowed the seed, and that song touched, has touched me for years, then just let me be the rain. And if you think about it, that's one of the biggest blessings you can be to somebody. And when I say be the rain, just be the good Christian. Just be the one that loves them and, and helps nurture them and develop them and helps them with their walk with Christ. You just be the rain. Somebody sowed the seed, that's okay. You don't have to sow all the seeds. You may just be the rain. There's been several people in my life that sowed seeds and other people, several in my life, that it was just the rain. And every one of them helped bring about the harvest when God decided to harvest me and make me a Christian. And she's saying, here, you know, here's all this stuff going on. What about that little donkey? I don't think it ever entered his head at all. This hosannas and think it was for him? No. So let me work for God like that donkey did. He gets all the praise. He gets all the honor. I'll just do the work that he's asked me to do. i just carry whatever load he asked me to carry. See, that's the right idea of Jesus. You don't get haughty, you don't get proud. You don't get thousand dollar suits and you don't you don't drive big expensive cars and get jets. 
You don't seek for huge churches. You seek for just what God gives you. If he gives you a big church and you're doing it his way, God bless you. We've got just as many good pastors in big churches as we've got good pastors in small churches, okay? Just let me. That's my prayer all the time. Jesus, I don't want to be fake about this. I don't want to mislead anybody about this. Show me the truth. Let me speak the truth. Never let me mislead anybody. I want to love you and praise you and sing hosannas to you for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. So the question is today, who is Jesus to you? Are you speaking all the right words? But for all the wrong reasons? It's a deep question, and sometimes we have to ask ourselves these questions. Are you singing all, praising him for all, and doing all the right words, but you're not doing it for the right reasons? You're praising him because everything's going great. Do you ever praise him when it seems like everything's going bad? Do you trust him when it seems like the whole world is falling on your shoulders? Do you believe in him when everybody around you is shouting, Hypocrite, bigot, Christian. Do you stay with him for the right reasons? Because it's not popular to be a Christian now. Oh, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago it was. It's about popular now. So are you going to stick with him for the right reasons? Jesus coming into Jerusalem getting ready to do some things. I hope some of you pick up your Bibles this week and just read some of the chapters after this particular chapter and see who the real Jesus is. See who that man is that you claim that you worship. And then sing holy, holy, holy and hosannas and praise to you, Lord. And then thank him for everything he's done. Because although this week is going to be a week of intense fellowship with his disciples, it's going to end up horribly before the mission is accomplished and the light shines again. This has been Truth Matters, a ministry of the First Church of God in Glasgow, Kentucky. You may email us at glasgow1chog at gmail.com or visit us at 1517 Glenview Drive in Glasgow. Join us next time for another insightful and timely message from Truth Matters. I'm Lisa Ames. God bless.